Hello, welcome to Tobby TV. This is the first episode of the Ned Cam podcast. I'm joined by Cameron Hay from the Mighty Blues. Cameron, how are you, mate? I'm all right, mate. I'm all good. Yourself? I've been better, I'm not going to lie. I've been better. Why, what's uh, up? What's... Bit, just, just Everton, to be honest, mate. No, I know. I think, I th- I know. well, we'll start off with the Palace game. I've not watched your, um, your reaction yet, because I, I wanted it to be spontaneous on today's podcast, but <laughs> how was you feeling after it? Um, disappointed, of course. I think everybody was. It, it, it's a weird one, isn't it, really? Because I compared it to the the Fulham result and the Burnley result and the Newcastle result, but the difference was we didn't we didn't lose this game. It just very much felt like that. Um, you know, having as many chances as we, as we did certainly in that first half and and not taking them. You know, you, you don't really expect to go on and win a game after that. The two strikers were were absolutely atrocious. And and look, maybe it was just a one off. Um, a common theme throughout those games I've just mentioned previously was that we all sat here and said you know Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison didn't have enough chances so we can't put the blame on them whereas we can't say that for Monday's game so yeah disappointed mate and to be honest it, it's it's sort of just expected now isn't it every time we play at Goodison Park I, I don't expect a decent result at any point now I, I just look forward to playing away to be honest with you. Well I mean we had was it six big chances and it was six big chances missed and I don't think we've had six big chances in any game at all this year, to be honest. All put together. Yeah, I read a, I read a stat um, this morning, and I think it said something like the last time we had as many opportunities as we did on Monday was the the West Brom game, and obviously we scored five in that one. So I watched the the highlights today. Just some Palace fan had put together a highlight reel. It was of Gaeta saves, but obviously it was of the chances yeah. that Everton missed. And the Richarlison one, you'd 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 swear he'd score nine times out of ten. The Calvert Lewin two chances one on one is uh, disappointing. But again, it's like I said. You know, we can sit here and say it's just one of them games, but we've seen it far too many times at Goodison Park this season. So it's sort of just—I don't know—it is what it is at this point, isn't it? Well, with with, with Big Dom, what do you think the problem is with with uh, with Dom is? Do you think he's not a? I don't think he's a technically great footballer. He's, he's for me, he's a poacher. He scores a lot of scrappy goals inside the six-yard box, but he needs to. If you're not good with your feet and you can't you can't create your own chances, then you need to be clinical when you get the. When you get the odd one, and we've seen him in games like West Brom, you know, he might have only had one chance, one on one with the keeper, and he's and he's he's flaffing it. He needs to he needs to be a bit more composed for me. What what do you think it is with Dom? What do you think he needs to improve on? I think I think it's his confidence to be fair in front of goal, one on one situations. I just think his head goes completely out the window. I think he loses all calm. I think the thing is with Dominic Calvert Lewin is he's come a long way this season and, and last season and, and since he joined yeah. Everton really. I mean, this was a striker who used to drop into basically defensive areas to pick the ball up and then try and run the whole length of the pitch. And now he's sort of figured out and worked with Duncan Ferguson. And and to be fair, I really like Dominic Calvert Lewin because I think he's done a lot of that himself. You know, a lot of his progression is down to him and his work creating his work ethic he's got his head down and he's wanted to improve and he has started to get in the right areas he's, he's dominant in the air now but um you know if we're going to talk about Dominic Calvert-Lewin on the level of striker you know and comparing to the likes of Harry Kane if you want to talk about best in the league then Harry Kane would have had an attic within half an hour on Monday night you know the chances that he had I just think Dom loses his cool in front of goal. I think when he's got time to think, he doesn't make the right decision. When he has to snap at something, he's there, he's on the end of it. He seems to have that instinct. But when he's got a couple of seconds to think about what he's got to do, he always seems to just make the wrong decision. I mean, that first chance on Monday, I've watched it again about three times. He could have just knocked it past the keeper on the right-hand side. Gaeta's already on the floor, mate. He's basically 
lying down saying to me, I'll take it round me. And he just hits it. Adam, the only place that he could have saved it. If he'd have took one touch round the right hand side, a little bit like Richardson did against Southampton, I think it was. Yeah, then he yeah. slots it comfortably. And we're one nil up in ten minutes and, and Palace's confidence is gone. But I just think he I just think he um I don't know whether he gets a bit, bit worried or, or whatever, but I just think he loses his head a little bit, loses his calmness and panics. I, I just don't think he's... He's not scored a lot of goals, but I'm on the keeper, has he, this season? No. He's, he's not. I mean, was the first pass that... Was the first chance that passed from Allgate? It was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. He, he opened his body up perfect, and the angle was there for him to slot it bottom right, and he, he does this so many times. He, he tries to hit it. He'll open his body up to put, like hit it bottom right, and he did it against... Vill I don't know if you remember Villa Park last season, when the yeah. space was there to hit it, in the, hit it in the bottom right, and he hits it straight at the keeper. He, like, puts his foot across it and just goes the complete wrong way, so... Yeah, Listen, he, I think he, I think what. Yeah, go on. Oh, go, sorry, on. go on, sorry. No, I was just gonna say I think what what he does is I think he sort of focuses more on getting hitting the target rather than yeah. actually taking it round and slotting it in the back of the net. And I think that's something he, he needs to improve on. And I've got no doubt that Dominic Calvert Lewin will go away in the summer and focus on those sort of opportunities and keeping his calm and sort of slot even sort of slowing the moment down in his own head and having that time to compose himself. Whereas I think when he gets it in that situation, he just thinks, I best hit this at goalie or on target and hope that the keeper doesn't get to it. And you're absolutely spot on, mate. It's it's not it's not like we're sitting here saying, oh, it's a one-off that, you know, he, he usually scores them chances. He's yeah. had about five or six one-on-ones from memory this season that he, he's done that in, in the exact same fashion. So he needs to improve on it, but I'm sure he will. Look, this is a lad who come in and, you know, couldn't really head the ball when he comes to Everton. Certainly yeah. wasn't getting in the right areas in the right time. Times and, and now he's doing that, so he needs to improve on that. But again, you know, I'm sure he will. Hopefully, he was, he was a good wing back, though, wasn't he? When he came in, <laughs> yeah, he's brilliant, brilliant right winger. Probably could do with him at right wing back now, to be honest with you, mate. Yeah, well, we, we've seen him, we've seen him score. <laughs> I mean, it's we've got we've seen him sort of score finishes like against uh, was it Brighton a year ago or two years ago, and then Palace when we, we scored the second one in the last few minutes yeah. of the game a couple of years ago. So he's there, he's. I'm guessing it's just like you said, it's confidence or it's composure front of goal. But what about um, what yeah. about with Charleston? Do you think it's a a poor season or a purple patch, or do you think we've maybe just not overrated him? But do you think he's maybe we, we value him a lot more than he's actually worth? I think he's had a difficult season this season. To be fair, Richardson, it's mad, isn't it? Because you look at where we are now, and I said it on on our reaction the other day. The fact that we're still within a few points from even yeah. Champions League yeah. qualification. I mean, if we win that game in hand, I think we're two points behind fourth. Is is mad? It just shows how mad this Premier League season has been. Because you've you watch us at Goodison this season, and you'd swear we were fighting at the bottom end of the table yeah. with that bad. Yeah. Um, so it, it just shows how mad it's been. And and, and Richardson hasn't had a great season. And if Richardson would have been on the form of last season or the season before then you know who knows where it would be in terms of the goals that he would have scored again I think he had a really really purple patch and then obviously he had a couple of goals against Tottenham in the cup and then he started to uh you know he started to, to score you know comfortably then and game after game he won us the game against Southampton won us the game against West Brom scored yeah. in Derby of course which is a, a great finish um I just think again. I don't know whether it is confident. He, he seemed he seemed confident on uh, on Monday night with Charleston with the you know the free kick situation where he took the free yeah. kick off um, everybody and then he wanted to have the go himself. He seemed he seemed like he was full of confidence, but I don't know whether that was sort of a you know maybe a front as if to say yeah I'm going to show I'm confident here when really I'm, I'm struggling a bit. He's had a he's had a up and down season, hasn't he? Do you think that's down to where he's been? Obviously, we saw him start at, starting off of the left. And he wasn't really. I know he scored against. It was Crystal Palace scored a penalty, but he wasn't really. 
I don't think he scored many goals playing off the left, has he? He cut inside. Was he, did he play on the left against Leicester away and he cut inside and was right? I, yeah. I, I honestly think he's a much better number nine. Uh, I mean, split strike, he was brilliant split striker last season with Dominic Calvert-Lewin flicking him on, playing off him. So do, do, you think, do you see him as a striker or a winger? I think that's where he wants to play, to be honest with you. I think he prefers to play as a striker. It's not. Yeah. It's no surprise that as soon as Dominic Calvert-Lewin had that little bit of an injury a few months ago, and obviously we had Josh King who could have potentially come on, it was it was Richarlison who was playing up front, it was Richarlison who was given that nod, and I think that's because he'd have been knocking at Ancelotti's door at Finch Farm saying, I want to play up front now, I want my opportunity. And I think, again, I like him on the wing. I do. I think he cuts inside, and I think he, he, he's um, you know he he can offer us something. But yeah. I, I do. I think he's a better striker. I do. I think he's he's on the end of balls. And like you mentioned, if you've got Dominic Calvert Lewin flicking them on, he's very good. Richarlison, and you've seen it in the Merseyside derby with the ball from Hammers. He's very good in those situations, like the Dominic Calvert Lewin chance with the, Hol- yeah. the Holgate pass. Richarlison had buried that because he just took it around the keeper yeah. and buried it. Um, obviously, he had one himself that he didn't bury, so it's easy to say that, but. I do, I just think he, he maybe prefers to play up front, to be honest with you, and I think he showed that when he's played up front at times this season, he's been a lot better. Well, I like him on the left because he's 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 so direct and he's, he's really good at cutting on the, on his right foot, but some of the runs he makes at striker, I mean, he split striker last season, he's, he's just constantly on the shoulder and making really good runs in behind, so, yeah, I suppose yeah. I, I'd like to see them as a as a two again. I'm not so sure about the, um, you know, this... It was all right the other, the other day because we we obviously played at five at the back and we played our wing backs higher at the pitch. But I mean the games like Burnley and Southampton, it was far too narrow. If you're going to be that narrow, they need to have you need to have full backs who can get up and down the pitch all game. So, yeah. so it, where where do you think we need to strengthen the most in this summer then? Um, oh, but how long have you got? Um, I, I think right back is is key to be honest with yeah, you. Look, agreed. I think Seamus Coleman was was very very good the other night. I think he was, and obviously he played the three international games uh, during the week for for Ireland, and it was clear that Seamus. Well, I hope. I really, really do hope that Seamus Coleman was taken off for fitness reasons the other day, and not tactically because he was arguably the best Everton player on the pitch. I, I, think, I don't again, think it was. I just don't. You I think it was I, tactically. I I I couldn't get my head around that. So I don't think he wanted to go off either. Because when you when you brought I don't even Godfrey Godfrey's not a wing back, and you were you allowed then to just move up the pitch then. So for me, I don't think it was a fitness thing. It was just yeah, strange, he should have. He was our best defender, and ultimately, he was, it was the yeah. best game Seamus Coleman's had for Everton in a, in a long, long time. And and look, I love Seamus Coleman. I think he's great, and he's done a lot for the club. And obviously, he's a brilliant ambassador, and he's a fantastic fella. But I think we're in the sort of the same situation with Seamus now as we were with Leighton Baines in seventeen eighteen, where you're sort of looking at it thinking you've still got something to offer the club, and you could still be a an important member of the squad, especially if we get into Europe, which is basically a flip of a coin now. Um, yeah. But starting week in, week out, you're not going to get 38 games a season from Seamus Coleman. You're just not because of his injuries, because yeah. of his fitness issues. And even if you did get 20, 25 games out of him, you're not going to get it at the level that you need. So no. for me, a right-back is, is an absolute necessity. Somebody that can almost mirror what Luca Dean does on that left-hand side, but on the right-hand side and get forward like Seamus used to do and bomb balls into the box, which he did a couple of times on Monday night, to be fair, but hasn't done that anywhere near enough this season, and understandably so. Um, and then for me, mate... Again, it's 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 difficult to sit here and say another midfielder because we signed three midfielders in the summer. We yeah. signed the core, Alan and, and Hammers, and you know, we obviously we've had massive injuries to, to Alan this season. Hammers has spent months out here and there. You've had the core, who's now out for eight to ten weeks, which just makes me want to cry every time I think about it. Yeah. Um, but 
I'd still really, really like a, a midfielder who picks the ball up and just takes control of games, just Absolutely. takes that responsibility, takes three or four players on and gets them. Hammers is a, a very, very... Uh, let me rephrase. Hammers is an unbelievable footballer. And I mean, that goal the other day just shows his quality. He literally, if he'd have put it anywhere else, even a centimetre either side, it's blocked. There's four Palace players in front of him. The goalkeeper's on the, uh, the fantastic game at yeah. this point, and he slots it in the most narrowest place he could put in the goal. It's a brilliant, brilliant finish. But he doesn't run with the ball. He's not going to pick the ball up, take six players on and run with it. He'll, he'll pass it brilliantly from a standing area. And that's important to this team. But I, I'd like a, a midfielder who picks the ball up, even if it's from the the back four or from Alan, and can just take three or four players on and then give it to the wingers or give it to Hammers to create something. I just don't really think we have that at the moment. Well, I think... I, I mean, Coleman was so good on Monday because I mean, he was such an attacking threat as well. But he didn't. He had that... Because we played the five at the back, he, he was covered at the back. He didn't have to worry about getting up and down all game, dropping so yeah, deep and yeah. getting right up. So for me, if we get a right back... And, I've not watched many right-backs, but obviously we're linked with Max Ahrens. I've not really seen much of this Baku. But if we get a right-back who can who can do both, he can get back and defend, and then he can get forward, and he's up and down all, all game. Because Coleman can't do that all season, can he? He can probably play about five to ten games a season, um, filling in for someone. But then if you get someone who can do both jobs, then you, can, you don't have to play five at the back. You can put an extra man in midfield, and that's where you, you, you go get your... You know, your, your Sumar or your Sangari, and another big player with legs who can get up and get us up the pitch faster. So for me, I think that, that right back is so crucial. That's so crucial for me. But obviously, we, 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 saw, a, we saw a substitute on, uh, on Monday, which was sort of felt like a new signing. We obviously, we saw Gabamin come off the bench. Do you think it was the, the right time to see Gabamin coming off the bench in the Premier League? I said it the other day, mate. I think it's the wrong substitution, to be honest with you. Look, before yeah. before we get into it, I want to say uh, it's fantastic to see John Philip Obama make his return. I think it was nearly 600 days, 597 days or something like that. Um, and it was brilliant to see and it'll do him the world of good for his confidence. It'll do him the world of good for the next few games. And it's very clear that Ancelotti wants John Philip Obama to have a, an important role to play between now and the end of the season. I think certainly with, with the core being out for another however many weeks, you're going to need a big physical presence in midfield. And, and hopefully Obama can be that but when you're 1-0 up and the opposition are chasing an equaliser to put a lad on who hasn't played in a year and a half and has got no match uh, fitness whatsoever hadn't played in any of the under 23 games from my knowledge um okay he might have played a couple of games at Finch Farm you know 11 on 11 training games but yeah. again and he, he didn't do anything wrong so it sounds mad for me to say because he didn't do anything wrong he wasn't he didn't get dispossessed I think I just don't think he was match fit and if you watch their goal back and if we're being hyper hypercritical don't get me wrong Michael Keane just basically oh, yeah. runs through ours and Robin Olsen just just as if he's running for an hot dog or something. Yeah. But Gabamin is one of those midfielders that's just stood. Don't get me wrong, Sigurdsson stood as well, and I think maybe Tom Davis, the other one. But Gabamin's one of those that's just stood with nobody around him, not marking anybody, yeah. watching that piece of play just go through him. So I think for as much as it was brilliant to see him back, and, and it's great to see him back, and, and I can't wait to see him again, um, I just think if it had been 3 or 4 nil up, yeah, boss, bring him on last yeah, 20 minutes, absolutely. no worries whatsoever. Um, if he makes a mistake, he makes a mistake, it doesn't matter. 1-0 up with the opposition chasing, knowing that we really needed to win that game for, for the fight for Europe, to take an advantage on Chelsea who drop points, Tottenham who drop points, and just for the confidence of the players, really, because we're being dreadful at home this season. I just, I don't think it was the right sub person. It's great to see him back, don't get me wrong, and it, it was brilliant to see him back, but I just think, you know, maybe a, 
And again, it's it's mad because you look at the bench and you think, well, the, the only other one you could make and maybe a case for is Josh King. But it's not like he's yeah. lit the you know lit it up this season when he's come on. He, he's done nothing really. Not that he's had many chances, but he's done nothing. And everyone else was, um, you know, obviously a, a young player who hasn't had much experience either. So again, it's sort of difficult, and I understand where Carlos coming from. Hammers very clearly wanted to come off or Carlos said he, want, he didn't want to risk him or whatever it may be but I just don't think it was the right time to bring Gabamon on to be honest I'm not blaming Gabamon for the goal by the way I'm just saying he's one of the three or four midfielders that are just standing yeah. mad and watching that passage of play play out well it's it's awareness isn't it if you imagine imagine you've not played well you've played one and a half Premier League games and then yeah. you're injured for two almost two years and then you get thrown on in a game where the other team, you, you, we won nil up, and the other team's going all out. They're bringing on two strikers. They brought Mateta and was it ba- the Batshuayi who scored, wasn't it? Batshuayi, yeah. And then you're, you, and then you've got to somehow defend them, keep that one nil lead. You're not playing for two years, and it's, the, the, I mean, the the game must feel so fast and yeah. intense for you. And patch, I don't know if patronising is the right word, but for yeah, me, I think... it would have been. Go on, sorry. No, go on, go on, mate. Well, for me, it would have been. I mean, if you one nil up. I don't think Palace were that too bothered if they if they didn't go away with any points. If Hammers wanted yeah, to come I just off, think it... why didn't we bring Josh King on? Exactly, exactly. But off. you look at the you look at the strikers as well. It's not like Richarlison and Dominic Calvert Lewin were having a good day at the office. Why wouldn't why not take yeah, one of them exactly. off and put Josh King up front and yeah. let Josh King get on the end of some of those balls that were coming into the box or some of those chances? Who knows? Josh King might have buried one of them one on one opportunities. We we haven't seen enough of him. Again, I think with Kabamin, it was it was great to see, but I just think it was a little bit sort of again, it it was sort of a substitution you'd have expected if we were comfortable. If if Richarlison and Dominic Calvert Lewin buried the three hundred and fifty five million chances they had in the first half, then you'd have said, yeah, Sam, bring Gabamon on with 4-0 up, with 4-1 up, whatever. Sam, bring him on. Uh, no issues whatsoever. But it, it just, again, it seemed like he was thrown to the wolves a little bit there. And yes, he didn't make a, a mistake individually. And yes, he was okay. And you might be people might sit there and think, well, well your, your point's void because he didn't do anything wrong. But I just think, again, it wasn't. He was clearly not match fit. He hasn't played in a year and a half. And at that point, we needed to shore it up. We needed to make sure we didn't concede, which we did. And we could have done with going on and getting a second goal. Uh, and Gabamon was never going to bring another goal. He was never going to score. I think yeah. the, the game for me, um, just to touch on briefly, I think Palace, ultimately, they were, they were doing... The way in which they scored was a similar situation to what they've been doing all game. The one-touch play was far too easy. They were playing it round us. They'd done it yeah. three or four times in the first half. Eze had a shot, which was saved by Olsen before Dom's shot. I think he had another shot in the second half. Benteke had, and Zaha were flicking it past. It was just that they didn't have the quality in the final third to hurt yeah. us. But it was far too easy for Crystal Palace to play round us throughout the entire game. Well, just before we move on, what, what would you take on the, the free-kick situation in the first half? I've heard Carlo said, <laughs> apparently... That Rich, that they said they put Richarlison on free kicks before the game, but 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 if that's the case, why is why is Hammers and Sigerton and Dean all pulling faces and arguing around him? So and why wouldn't Seamus Coleman going over as a cap? I don't want to criticise Seamus Coleman too much because he's brilliant. Why don't you go over and say, right, who's on free kicks? Richarlison. That's like, exactly my point. So unprofessional, yeah, isn't it? That's a- that's exactly my point, mate. I think you've just hit the nail on the head. I said, you know, Seamus was brilliant the other day. And he had yeah. a fantastic game. He, he did. But as a captain of the club, as as a captain on the field, he should be picking that ball up and going. If it was Richarlison that was 
told that he was taking free kicks before the game, then that's signed. Goal, pick yeah. it up and say to Hamez, Sigurdsson and Dean, you all know we had this conversation. He's taking free kicks today. So here's the ball. You move away. For me, while Hamez Rodriguez is on that pitch, he should be taking free kicks yeah, in corners. Absolutely. There's no question about it. Absolutely no. The fact that we still see... I don't care if it's Dean, Sigurdsson, Richarlison, Godfrey. The fact that we still see other players taking dead ball situations when Hammers is on the pitch blows my mind. Mm. Absolutely blows my mind because yeah. that lad's delivery is above anybody else at the club. Sigurdsson has got a good delivery on him, but it's it's nothing compared to Hammers. Hammers' delivery is unbelievable. We've seen that. He put in a couple of good corners the other day when he was allowed to take them. And one, I think, just went past everybody. Nobody bothered jumping for it. It was a great ball in. So I have a couple of issues with the free kick situation. One is that... If it's Richarlison that's being tasked to take it, why? Why isn't it Hammers that's being tasked to take every free kick? Because you yeah. knew as soon as they they were arguing and they were bickering, and the ball was on the ball was going in Rosehead anyway. Knew it wasn't going anywhere near the goal because it always happens in them situations. Players have a little bit of an argument, they make themselves look fools, and then the ball ends up in the in the stand anyway. It never goes in the back of the net. Um, but like you said, Seamus should be cooked. You're right, Richardson takes it. We'll just act like we're going to take it. But you look at Hamez, he walks away shaking his head. Dean and Sigurdsson are sort of looking at each other, smiling. If Richardson's been tasked to take the free kick, why are the three of them even bothering standing around? If you're standing around for the tactic, great. But why are you standing around wanting to take it when you know Richardson's been tasked to take it? And if Seamus does see it, again, he mightn't have seen it, but if he does see it and he knows what's going on, just go over and pick the ball up and say, yeah, I'll end on it earlier on in the season. I can't remember what game it was, but I'll end on it earlier on in the season where I think it was Richarlison wanted to take a free kick and he walked over, he picked the ball up and he gave it to Sigurdsson and said, no, he's taking it and he moved Richarlison out the way and it was done within five seconds. Game goes on. That, but was again... That, was that the penalty against... Uh, was it Was it Chelsea? <laughs> It might have been the penalty against Chelsea, yeah. And I just yeah. knew it was it was a situation where we had a dead ball, and he just went over and picked it up and said, "No, he's taking it. Move away." Rich Allison was was he was sulking after that, wasn't he? Because he didn't get to take the penalty. So for me, because of that, it was because. I mean, I I honestly don't believe Carl that they've said to him, "Oh yeah, Rich Allison's on free kicks today." Because we've seen it early in the season when he wanted to take a penalty and Sigurdsson took it and he was he was screwing up to Sigurdsson and then sulking after it. So I, 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 I just think it's unbelievably... For a Premier League team that's chasing, well, meant to be chasing Europe, it's, it's unbelievably unprofessional. I get that, you know, emotions are heightened and, and every player wants to take a free kick in a dangerous area and you've got yeah. Dean who can take them. Sigurdsson who's not scored a free kick since he's been at Everton Bar and won in a pre-season friendly against... Um, Blackpool, but surely, you know, Dean Richarlison and um, Rich Dean Richarlison and Sigurdsson can all stand around and go, it's probably best letting this Colombian wizard with an unbelievable left foot and a brilliant right foot take this free kick here because he's either going to float it in perfectly towards Mina or Keane or he's going to whip the target because you knew as soon as Richarlison stepped up, you knew he was going to try and bend it in that far corner and yeah, it's such absolutely. a difficult technique. And he's not like he scores free kicks every week. He doesn't take free kicks and he doesn't score them. So, like, I agree with you. I just think it was a bit of a laughable situation, really, that made themselves look a bit a bit foolish. Well, moving on, we had some sort of some sort of victory over the over over East. Obviously, obviously, the youth team in the FA Cup, FA Youth Cup, went and beat City one 0 with a last minute winner from was it Luke Butterfield? Yeah. Yeah, I think did they play? Is it Chelsea in the fifth round, and then if they win that, is it Tottenham and Tottenham or West Brom in the quarterfinals? So do you think there's a good chance they can go on and win that? 
Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, the Manchester City game was was brilliant, wasn't it? Um, it was absolutely fantastic. A last minute winner, ninety seven minutes, seven minutes at a time, and it was in the ninety seventh minute, yeah. thirty five seconds, and it falls to to Luke Butterfield, and it's a great strike. It, it strike, it's an absolutely yeah. unbelievable strike, and it was what it was what they deserved. And and like you said, a goal in the last minute like that gives you so much confidence and and so much momentum going forward. And they have got another couple of difficult games coming up: Chelsea, Tottenham. You know, difficult fixtures, um, but ultimately. You know, when you when you beat a side like Manchester City, I know this isn't the Manchester City in the Premier League we're talking about, yeah. but it's still a Manchester City side that are massively funded and have got a very, very good academy. Players like Phil Foden have come through that academy. Um, you know, it's a big, big result. It's a big, big result. And, and like I said, you know, they, they should be feeling all of the confidence now to, to go on and... Um, and get the win against Chelsea and then progress further in the club. Obviously, we had the injury to, to Tyler on Yango as well, which is extremely disappointing. Yeah. Um, wish him speedy recovery. Well, I was going to say the only downside was seeing Onyango being stretched off. Has he had his surgery or is he having surgery? He's had his surgery now on his ankle. It was a, it was a hor- uh, horrific tackle, horrific, horrific yeah. challenge. And I know the lad probably didn't mean to do it. He definitely didn't mean to hurt him because nobody does. But um, it's disappointing because Tyler's had a fantastic season. Ultimately, he's played every time he plays in the under 18s. He's like, he's yeah. like messed playing in, in a normal game. He's absolutely brilliant. He yeah. plays in the 20s. He's very good. And when he had that chance to come on and make his debut with Thierry Small against Sheffield Wednesday in the uh, in the Carabao FA Cup, FA Cup, sorry, a few months back, he, he wanted the ball. He was confident. He was calling for it. He wanted to get it. He wanted to play. He looks a, a top, top player, Tyler Onyango, and, and a player yeah. with a, an absolutely massive, massive future. And it is disappointing for him, but, you know, we just all have to support him. And, and I'm sure he'll come back a, a better player. And, um, you know, everybody, you'll have the full support of, of the club but it's disappointing when you see a lad have such a good season and then it ends like that with a, with a horrifying challenge yeah well do you think they really needed to play him I mean I think he was going to be you know when you get to the last few games and you've got nothing to play for and you might be you know it's like you like your last game three three nil up or three nil down and then you you know you bring that youngster on to give him some you know some Premier League minutes we saw with Tom Davies and Jared Branthwaite last season obviously he come on because of the you know the availability at centre back, but do you think we could have saw Onyango possibly make his debut in the Premier League this season? Um, yeah, I don't see why not. To be honest with you, I think with Onyango, the, the mad thing is, is he's he's playing in the under 18s consistently obviously before the injury he was involved yeah. in the under 23s and he's pretty much always in the match day squad in the first team as well so it, it, it almost seems like that player that throughout the 18s the 23s and the first team he's just always there be it playing or be it on the bench and you know Tyler Onyango is a player who I've sat here a couple of times watching Everton go and bring him on give him an opportunity he's big he's a physical presence in the midfield he's good with the ball at his feet he can tackle he's fast he picks the ball up and runs with the ball we spoke before about wanting a player who picks the ball up and runs with it, he can do that. Um, so it, it, it's, it is massively disappointing because I, I agree with you. I, I think we would have seen him before the end of the Premier League season. Yeah. I mean, I don't expect much in these last nine games, to be honest with you, because Everton are about as consistent as a chocolate fire guard. Um, so I really don't expect much. So I would have thought you would have seen Tyler Onyango maybe in the last game for 10 or 15 minutes, give him that experience. So it is disappointing, but ultimately... Like we just said, he he is usually his head and shoulders better than everybody on that pitch when he yeah, plays for the under eighteen. So can sort of see why he played. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it is it's it's disappointing and it wasn't it wasn't great to see at all. And you know, you just got to wish him a speedy recovery and, and hope that he comes back yeah. ready for next season. Really, yeah, of course. What, what what do you think? What do you think next thing is for Onyango? Then obviously we've seen some some highly you know potential players like like Dowell and 
obviously Pennington as well, who's like 26 now. We've seen him just rot away in the under 23s. That's from when we said from such a young age, oh, they're going to be brilliant. So do you think the next thing for him would, would to be go out on loan for a couple of years, get some experience, you know, in a lower league, we've got to battle and really work hard? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think there's a couple of players there who there's now question marks over in terms of the futures with Everton. Obviously, you've got Thierry Small, who there was a few rumours around contact situations with him. Ellis Sims currently out on loan. At Blackpool, you've got Jared Branthwaite out on loan, who, again, you mentioned yeah. there, coming towards the last few games of last season and was brilliant in the Premier League. He, he looked like he was a seasoned professional there, and this is a lad who was playing League 2 football before that. So, I think Tyler and Yango fit into that category of players who ultimately... Playing in the under-18s and playing in the under-23s isn't really doing much for the development whatsoever because you can clearly see whenever Tyler Anyango plays in, in the under-18s specifically, he's much better than anybody. He's, he's more physically dominant. He's bigger. He carries the ball comfortably. And he does it in the 23s as well. He's a very, he performs eight nines out of ten near enough every week. Um, yeah. So I think... Playing there constantly isn't really doing much for his development. I don't really think Carlo Ancelotti sees him as somebody that's going to come in and play in the Premier League week in, week out. Yeah, he'll be involved in the in the matchday squads and he might come on every now and then. But again, <clears throat> Carlo hasn't seemed, certainly this season, to have that amount of trust in the younger players. Obviously, we had the big debacle with Niles and Kunku when Luca Dean got injured and we all wanted Niles and Kunku to step in and he didn't. Um, so I think for the next move for Tyler is, is definitely a low move, a top championship level club where he's playing week in week out and, and it's you know obviously it's more physically demanding than the Premier League in terms of you're playing a lot more games in the championship than you do in the Premier League and you're playing constantly near enough two times a week um, so I think you know, if he, if he can guarantee a championship loan where he's going to play every week, then perfect. Yeah. If you can't, then maybe a League One loan where he's going to play every week like you've got with Ellis Sims and building that experience up and, and letting him go out and get that, not just that match day experience, but that competitive match day experience because yeah. playing in the championship against Derby County is going to be more uh, is going to be more beneficial for him than playing against Aston Villa's under-18s in the under-18s. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that's his next move, personally. But And hopefully hopefully he can come back, he can recover, and he can get back to fitness to the point where in the summer we look and go, right, we've got this low move for you. You're going to go and play every week. At, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Name it Middlesbrough, somebody like that. Just a random yeah. example of a championship club. Black, another Blackburn, maybe, although it's not been yeah. too great yeah. for Jad Brannathwaite, has it, so far? No, he's, a, he's had a... He had a couple of good games at the start, didn't he? And, and yeah. he had a lot of praise. And then he had a couple of difficult games. And, and, and he's going to have that. He's a young kid. He's a young lad. He's going to have difficult games of football. I mean, the last nine games of last season, I think he was playing a lot on the general, wasn't he? He was brilliant. I remember that Aston Villa game. He was absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah. But he is. He's going to have difficult games. He's going to make bad decisions. He made the tackle for just before he went on loan, I think, for the under-23s on the line, which was absolutely exceptional. So you can see the quality that he has. You can see the potential yeah. that he has. But... It would be a disappointment. Like you mentioned a couple of names there, Kieran Dahl. Um, obviously, we've had a number of players throughout the years that you've, you sort of look at in pre-season and you go, he's the next big yeah, thing here. And absolutely. it never really happens. They end up playing for Norwich or Watford in two years' time. So it would be disappointing yeah. if the likes of Onyango and, you know, Small and, um, you know, Branthwaite went down that path. So it's important that the pathway for those players is set in stone and it's in place. And that pathway ends with, playing first-team football for Everton. Um, because if it ends with signing for Norwich, then what's the point? Well, I think the thing with Onyango is he's, he's, this, he's the perfect type of player we need, that big box-to-box energetic <laughs> midfielder. But he's but obviously a few years behind. So I think developing him yeah. and getting getting him some experience in a, in a lower league, he has to battle and really work hard is a, 
certainly an important factor for me. But obviously, you mentioned another yeah. player in the in the in the academy, the uh, Thierry Small. What, what what do you think the the future holds for him? Obviously, with some some rumours, some rumours that he's trying to get a move away, or he might be signing that contract here. I don't know whether you believe him or not, but what what do you think holds for him? Uh, I, I think Thierry Small, he's been touted as the best left-back in the world for, for his age group, hasn't he? He's been compared to the likes of Alfonso Davis at uh, uh, Bayern Munich, which is, which is a fantastic comparison because he's a brilliant, brilliant player. Um, I really like Thierry Small. Big, big compliments. I like to meet Thierry Small. He's a great little footballer. Obviously, he made his debut youngest ever, ever Everton player uh, in a competitive yeah. game against a field Wednesday in that same game. I, I think it's difficult for Thierry Small because he's got... For me, the best left back in the country who's playing week in, week out, and Niles and Kunku, who is very, very good and obviously still in experience. And, and maybe a long move for Niles and Kunku was on the cards as well. I don't know. But again, Niles and Kunku, when he stepped in this season, has, has looked really, really bright. Certainly going forward, he's looked fantastic in those cup games. Um, Again, I don't particularly blame Thierry Small. I've seen a lot on Twitter about, oh, his attitude is this, that and the other. This is a young lad who just wants to play football. And yeah. I understand where people are coming from is that he's 16 and he, he shouldn't expect. But I think the way in which that article was written about him potentially wanting to leave was a little bit misleading. I think it was written as if it's Thierry Small's gone into Ancelotti and said, I want to play every week in the Premier League. I don't think that's the case yeah. whatsoever. I think he's probably said, I want a little bit more involvement. I want to make the match day squad on a couple of more times. I want to maybe come off the bench and, and you know have a little bit of an involvement I want to be training constantly with the first team I don't think it was as black and white as Thierry Small wants to play uh, every week at left back and you know wants to outplay Luca Dean I don't think that was the case whatsoever um but ultimately, again, it's, it's a decision the club are going to have to make. You know, what is Thierry Small's pathway? Is his pathway a loan out and, and maybe, a, again, like we mentioned with Tyler on Yango, playing week out, week in, week out in the Premier, in the Championship, sorry, or League One like Ellis Sims was doing and then forming himself into a, a Premier League level footballer and playing yeah. for Everton week in, week out? Or is it going to be, you know, we've got Luca Dean for the foreseeable future now. You've got Nazin Kunku, who's probably the next in line to, to you know, build into that left-back so is Thierry Small's future looking a little bit bleak at Everton. Again, it's a decision the club are going to have to make, but I really like Thierry Small. I think it'd be very, very disappointing if he was to leave. But I mean, I've heard that he's happy to stay anyway, so I'm guessing the transfer rumours were just rumours trying to spark things up in the in the window, I'm guessing. But, yeah. I mean, you mentioned Niles and Kunku. Do you think, do you think, what do you think the next thing is for him? Do you think he should go out and loan? I mean, he's, is he 20 or almost 20? So he's getting to that stage yeah. now where he's got to decide, is he going to go out and loan and make himself a... You know, try and improve and get himself into that first team. Um, yeah, I think it's an option. I think probably, to be honest with you, obviously, you know, it, it's difficult for any left back coming through at Everton because you've got Luca Dean at left back, who, who's absolutely exceptional. But the the reality of that situation is you don't just want one left back. Luca Dean spent two or three months out injured this season and obviously we have to adapt and put Ben Goffrey there and, and again you're looking at Thierry Small situation and he's not just looking at Dean and Nkunku in front of him he's now thinking about well if Dean gets injured it's probably going to be Goffrey because he's done a fantastic job there and then it's probably going to be Nkunku and so he's probably number four Um so again, I think with Nkunku, I I would like to see Nkunku more in the Premier League. To be honest, I'd like to see him coming off the bench with twenty minutes to go because I think he's got a raw energy and a raw talent about him. And, and certainly, we just spoke about the Palace game. You look at the Palace game and Gabamon coming on with twenty twenty five minutes to go, um, and you're sort of thinking he, he's a he's a young lad with raw energy, raw pace, and just wants to impress. What yeah. you, you're seeing the assist for Moiskin earlier on in the season in the cup It's brilliant. He takes everybody on. He gets to the byline and he back heels it right in his path and, and Moise Keane slots it so 
I personally would like to see Nas and Kunku coming on with 15, 20 minutes to go in games and just having that raw energy to tire, to, to work against the, the tired opposition. Because ultimately, sometimes you need that. Sometimes you need a player who the opposition are going to look at and go, oh, he's pure pace, this lad. He's going to absolutely run rings around us in the final 20 minutes here. Even if he doesn't produce anything final product-wise. And I'm not necessarily saying bring him on at left-back. Why not bring him on at left midfield? Why not bring him on and say, right, you just get run about, you know, make force the opposition into making mistakes? Yeah, um, absolutely. But I don't think Carlo Ancelotti sees that. I think he'd prefer to put on a Gomez or a Sigurdsson or somebody else. So I think a loan deal probably, you know, is the is the way forward for for um, for Niles and Kunku. But personally, I'd like to see him involved a lot more in the Premier League. Well, that that would be another good thing about getting um, Europa League as well. We get more more games, more chances to develop younger players. And and, and another player we possibly for me, if we were to get Europa League, would be. You know, obviously need a bigger squad. I, I would be looking at signing Joshua King on a permanent deal, but I don't. I don't think the manager's. I've not got. I've got the impression that he doesn't really like him. He's obviously not got onto a. a he's not got to a good start anyway. For Everton, so what? Do, what do you think the future holds for Joshua King? Do you think we should sign him on a permanent deal, or do you think we'll let him go and look elsewhere, depending on whether we get Europa League or not? He's a mad one, isn't he, Josh King? He's, he's an absolute mad one because we signed him, we brought him in in January. He is effectively on a glorified loan. He's come in for six months. He's out of contact in the summer. We can decide whether to sign him or yeah. not. If we don't, he goes yeah. on and signs for somebody else. If we do, he signs for us. Uh, I think you mentioned European football. Uh, it's a big summer for Everton, whether we finish in Europe or not. If we don't finish in Europe, we've got to drastically improve because yeah. Europe next season is a, is an absolute must. Then I mean, this season, it'll be disappointing and, and we'll, there'll be a lot of unhappy Everton fans, but if we don't finish in there next season, it'll be carnage. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, but in terms of Josh King, again, I think it, it, it baffles me a little bit because there's there's been games where you're sort of thinking, why not start him from the off? I, I don't think Josh King coming on with five or ten minutes to, to play at the end of a game is doing him any good whatsoever. You're almost asking yeah. a lad to change a game impossibly you know the balance is in play usually we're with the balance is against Everton usually we're getting pinned back in the last 10 or 15 minutes and you're bringing on a lad and, and almost saying right go and do something with five or ten minutes to go when he's not going to have much um you know sort of opportunities or creativity given to him so again he hasn't started the game for Everton this season why I don't know he had the West Brom game which would have been a great chance to start him um even Palace why not bring him on a, a, on 60 minutes 50 minutes when um when, you know, Dominic Calvert-Loon and Richarlison are missing one-on-ones, you know, every five yeah, exactly. seconds, why not bring Josh King on? It just baffles me a little bit. Well, if Hammers wanted to, if, if I mean, if Hammers wanted to go off, then it's really up to the manager anyway. But if you're bringing Hammers off anyway, why bring on Gabamin? Why not bring on King? Keep 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 Palace, you know, further up the pitch, uh, further back. Keep our team further up the pitch. Don't let him come out, come out so easy. And he's a player with pace and... You know, I don't think Gary Cale's the fastest player, and I don't think Palace are the fastest fastest team. So bringing on a player with pace who's who's fresh, it certainly it certainly stops him getting higher up the pitch. And it is that player who can play on the counter and he can change. I don't know if he can change the game like we've seen for Everton, but I mean, he coming against United, he won that free kick that led to the goal, didn't he? He, he was, he, he, I think he did a step over and beat a man. It was tricky bit of skill, nice bit of pace. So for for me, he need, we need to see more of him before the end of the season, but. He'd be a player if we'd, if we'd get into Europe, then I'd be definitely signing him, signing him, signing him on a permanent deal. And we still need a striker, regardless whether we sign him anyway. 
And if we, if we don't sign him, we just got to go out and fill that space anyway. And if we finish yeah. in Europe, we need as many co- good quality players as we can. I'd just like to see him start a game before the end of the season, to be honest, mate. I just want to see him, what he can do from the off, because I really don't think five or ten minutes at the end of the game is, is benefiting him much at all. Yeah, he's so versatile as well, isn't he? He can play wide. He can, he can, I mean, he's tall and he's, he's quite you know, he's strong, so he can play in that, that Dominic Cavalloon role as well. So for me, he'd, he'd be an absolute... Ste- you know, he's not going to cost us anything. So I'd, I'd like to see him more towards the end of the season, but at the moment, it's not been so great. I mean, the, I mean, you touched on the Europa League thing before. I think before the season, I predicted us to finish. I think we all said about eighth, seventh or eighth would be fine. Not too close to be miss out on Europe. You know, if obviously if, if City win the quadruple or at least the domestic treble, they got a bigger chance of getting to Europe with seventh or sixth or yeah. fifth or whatever. But I think now we've been, it's been such a and we had such a good start. We've been sort of around like the, not in the Champions League spots, but fighting. You know, there's a big chance we've got to get that top four and push on, or the, at least the top six. And if if we were to finish eighth now, it'd be so disappointing. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It, it's been a again. It, it's it's been a mad season, and it's been a mad season for everybody. Look, Everton aren't the yeah. only team who've been dreadful at home this season. Liverpool went three years without losing at home and lost six or seven on the bounce. Uh, Leicester haven't been great at the King Power. Uh, Man United haven't been brilliant at, at, at Old Trafford. Certainly not at times this season. So it has. It's been a crazy season. But you look at some of the the wins and some of the highs. You've got the Derby win first time in twenty two yeah. years. Beat Spurs for the first time. I think in over a decade. We went seven on the bounce at the start of the season and top of the league and then you know obviously we've had two quarterfinals as well and some really good results against Chelsea and Arsenal when the fans were in the stadium so it would be very very disappointing if we weren't to finish in any European position at the moment for me mate it's a flip of a coin I said it on our live stream yesterday I would be as surprised if Everton finished 10th as I would if we finished 4th because again the the thing with with that I think with, with between now and the end of the season is it's about consistency. And you look at sides like West Ham, and okay, they mightn't be able to compete against the sides that are above them, but near enough every time yeah. they play anybody below them, they win. They win those games. I know the Wolves scored twice the other day and pulled it back, but they obviously managed to get the win, which is all that matters. And I think the teams that are consistent are going to be the teams that finish in those places this season. And I don't see where Everton's consistency is going to come from. I really don't. I mean, you were to say to me, now you lose next week to Brighton and you beat Tottenham. I'd be shocked because Tottenham is a good person. But I wouldn't be as I would I expect it because again the games like that you expect to win your Palaces your Burnleys your Fulhams I mean if we won all of those games we'd be fighting with City at the top of the league yeah, it'd be second it's crazy it, we'd be second comfortably it's we haven't lost I think we've lost we lost to Chelsea away <clears throat> we lost to United and we lost to City they're the only games that you think yeah probably you know again can't really say much about them yeah, every other game's been a joke well. I th- I'm sick of saying before a game, or oh, we win this, we go, we go. I mean, how many times have we, yeah. have we said, "Oh, we win this, we go top four? And it's like, what? I yeah. wish someone would just tell the players that, to be honest. But I mean, yeah, You're thinking about that, and that, that's yeah, just getting to the head. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if you look at West Ham's form, they've been brilliant at home. And then you look at ours; we've played 15 games, so there's 45 points at home, and we've took 18 points. Five five wins, three draws, isn't it? Eighteen mm-hmm. points, which is absolutely abysmal Bismal. for Everton team. But then you look at our away record. We've only, I think, we've only lost three games, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. And, and two it's of them uh... win a win a win a week of each other, which is not quite like us. So yeah, like you said, it's a strange season. It is. It's it's mad. It is mad. And look, there's a lot of. 
you know, we can sit, there's a lot of if, buts and maybes and we can all sit here and say, oh, but when the fans are back, I mean, the two games we played with fans at the stadium at Goodison were brilliant. The Arsenal game, I know yeah. we played United in the Cup, not not counting that, but the Chelsea game was, was brilliant. It sounded like there was 40,000 Evertonians there and we performed really well, defended really well. The Arsenal game, we, we come back, we got the win after they pegged it back to one all. Um Really good second half in that game, defended brilliantly. So yeah, we can all we can sit here and say, well, when fans are back in stadiums next season, maybe we'll have a brilliant home form. And then Ancelotti sort of mastered how to go away from home and get results. But again, you could then say that for every other team, really, because it's not like we've been the only team that have been poor at home this season. So it's been it's been a mad one, mate. It has, and like I said, I don't think anybody can definitively sit there and say, I know we're definitely going to finish this season because it could be fifth, it could be tenth. Uh, and I wouldn't be as I'd be as surprised with both of them as each other, to be honest with you. Because again, you know, you look at some of the games we've got coming up. We've still got to play Villa twice, Arsenal, um, City. Obviously, last game of the season, Wolves, Tottenham. So it's Everton, isn't it, mate? We don't yeah. know. Well, to finish off, we've got obviously we're at Brighton away the next Monday. Are, <laughs> are you feeling? Obviously, it's an away game, so we might be completely different. Are you feeling confident? Would you sit with the same system we played on? On Monday, that you know the five at the back and the the sort of diamond up front with Ames behind the two strikers. It's difficult for me because I don't like five at the back whatsoever. I yeah, really, really don't. Same. I just don't. I just don't think we defend well with five at the back. I don't think Mina Keane and and be it Godfrey or Holgate or whatever. I don't really think they completely understand that five at the back formation. But that's difficult to say when we created about three hundred chances the other day and it was down to Calvert Lewin and Richarlison not converting. Um, yeah. I am. I am confident. I am confident because we're away. If we were at home, I'd. I wouldn't want to talk about it, to be honest, mate. I'd be yeah. head in my hands. Um, and I'm confident every time we go away because we, we seem to set up really, really well away from home to nullify teams. Brighton are in a battle, ultimately. They, I know they're uh, yeah. slightly above the relegation zone, but they're still, they'll still be looking over the shoulder. Well, they're still in a battle. Well, the home form's pretty shocking, isn't it, Brighton? Especially for the past yeah. 10 years. I don't, it's probably worse than ours, which is <laughs> not good. Saying something, that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. yeah. Well, again, and and that and that's something that Everton have got to capitalise on. I mean, away away has been our, you know, we've been brilliant away from home this season, and, and hopefully we can go on and continue that. But if Carlo mentioned um, bravery before his press conference against Crystal Palace, he said if we're brave, we can finish in the European positions now. You'd call that brave the other night. I mean, missing as many opportunities as, as we did, yeah. I don't think you can. But we want to talk about bravery. He's mentioned mentality before this season. He's mentioned, um, you know, players just sort of being a little bit lackadaisical and, and sort of um, overlooking games. We can't be doing any of that now. We need to be going to Brighton and getting the three points. Ultimately, if we want to be Absolutely. seen as a side challenging for Europe, you've got to beat Brighton away. No disrespect to Brighton, but you've got to beat Brighton away from home. And yeah. I'm a confident look at, I think, again, yeah, it, it do the way to go for Richarlison to score. It'll do the way to go for Dom to score. Um, hopefully, we can again we can sort of put that game behind us against Palace. It feels like we're talking about a loss, doesn't it? We 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 talk a point which isn't good enough, I know, but it feels like we're talking about a loss. But hopefully, we can put that behind us, and we've got to go out and win ultimately. It, it feels like an absolute loss to be honest. Especially it's yeah. worse when you've one 0 up and you've had six missed big chances, and you come yeah. away with one point. It, it it's unbelievably frustrating, but. I think the thing for me for Brighton, I'm just gonna I'm gonna put Everton to lose on my toffee picks because it seems every time I put Everton to win on my toffee picks or I put you know I put them to win on me on me on me betting thing, then they always seem to to lose. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna be 
completely unoptimistic and just put us to lose and hopefully that'll get us the three <laughs> points but inside I'm feeling confident about Monday so yeah I suppose we'll see Cameron thank you very much for coming on the, the Nedcam podcast Cameron will be on every week because it is the Nedcam podcast otherwise it'll be the, just a Ned podcast so there you go thank you very much for watching if you want more videos including exclusive live videos including a phone in then head to Patreon subscribe it's literally cheaper than a Big Mac and Big Macs don't even fill you you can catch Cameron on the Mighty Blues channel over on YouTube. Thank you very much, Cameron, for coming on again. And uh, yeah, there you go. Thanks for watching and see you later.